This is the Commission Church Online. Welcome to our podcast. We want to be a church who brings heaven on earth through the word of God and the love of Christ. I pray this week's message blesses you. I just want to go into the word um, uh, this morning. Uh, We were in um, the gospel according to Matthew until a couple weeks ago, and uh, I took a break uh, to do kind of like a mini-series. Tomorrow is actually the culmination of the season of Advent. Um, Advent simply means coming or arrival. Coming or arrival. Uh, We talked about this last Sunday, and I don't want to get into too much detail uh, because of the fact that it would take so much time to cover the topic of the subject matter and material that we've already covered. Uh, But... If you missed last Sunday's message, uh, I talked about uh, the first part, or I covered the first part of Hope Has a Name. Uh, This is a sermon series that we're in right now. But we talked about the importance of Advent and what Advent really means. And what Advent means in liturgical churches is liturgical churches celebrate Advent and some non-liturgical churches as well. But we as a church, we don't do that. Uh, We don't celebrate Advent in the four uh, different weeks that is celebrated. But we want to think or look into the spiritual, the deep spiritual significance associated with this idea and the season of Advent. Advent is both a celebration as well as an anticipation. We celebrate the arrival of Jesus as the Messiah and as the Savior, and as, a Christ, as, as Christians, we look forward with anticipation of Jesus coming back again in the clouds for us to take us up with him. And this season that we're in is a season of hope. We talked about this last Sunday. This season, if we had to summarize it in one word, it is the, the, the season of hope. When I say season, I'm just not talking about the the four weeks of Advent. I'm just not talking about the last three weeks or four weeks. I'm just not talking about the the season of Christmas or the flare of Christmas. I'm talking about the season between the two Advents, between the first Advent and between the second Advent. We exist in a time in between celebration and anticipation. Kendrick earlier had uh, brought a beautiful opener, and for those of y'all who missed it, it was amazing. Kendrick actually wrote that piece. It was not something that he just took off somewhere, but he wrote it, and he presented it to us as the Holy Spirit spoke to him about. We have been talking about how hope has a name, and Kendrick, thank you for that, man. That was an amazing, come on. That was really, really amazing. The English word hope has a lot of ambiguity associated with it. The Oxford Dictionary actually describes hope as a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. It's such a loose definition of sorts. It's such an ambiguous definition because when we talk about hope in the context of the Bible... Hope means completely something different. The Word of God says much about hope, but never does it use the term to mean uncertainty or doubt. 
The English language, be it the Cambridge or the Oxford, may uh, suggest a sense of uncertainty because it says a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. So you could see how the ambiguous idea of uncertainty slowly creeps into the idea of hope, which is why we use hope in a very loose way in our conversations. I hope this happens, or I hope that happens. There are different conversations we have with people, or friends, or family, about this idea of hope. We use the word hope to, uh, to, to, uh, to, to describe uncertainty in some level or the other. In this two-week series, I'm teaching about how hope is deeply connected to Jesus. That's why we're, we're titling this sermon series, Hope Has a Name. See, last Sunday, we learned about how the Bible teaches us that Jesus is our archegos. He is our archegos. And again, I don't want to do a recap because it's going to take a while. You can go and catch that on podcast or YouTube. I want to title my message today. I want to tell you about Jesus, who is our tikva. Tikva. Uh, you can follow along the sermon notes on the Bible app. Uh, if you scan that QR code, it should bring up the Bible app and the, the sermon notes are uploaded there and you can write your own notes on that. But if you are a, a note taker on paper or diary, go ahead and do that. I love that. But I'm going to title my message Tikva. What does Tikva mean? I, I, I want to kind of break this down, but I want to break it down in some practical elements. Uh, so, so let's just say that you want to describe the feeling of anticipating a future that is better than the present. When you get hopeful, there are different emotions that might come upon you, whether it might be a job interview, or it could be your boss coming up to you and telling you that you probably could apply for a promotion. Or it could be that vacation that you've been planning for months and it's finally around the corner. And you can't sleep because you are so excited about the possibility of getting a break from your weekly schedule or for your daily schedule. See, when people get hopeful, you might get giddy or you might get excited or probably unsure. I don't know the different emotions that come with anticipation or being hopeful, but I can attest to this in, uh, in my own home. Uh, I have three daughters, and uh, just the other day, two, three days ago, uh, we were ta- I was actually talking to Carissa, my, my middle uh, daughter, my middle child, and uh, she was having a very, very bad day. Uh, she was super annoyed at something that her older sister was doing. Uh, doing to her, may I add, and when she and, and her older sister has a, a knack of getting to her and knows how to get to her, and it was getting a little too much for her, and when that happens, there's a lot of crying spells. And uh, I know my daughter pretty well, and I know that there, were, there are different things that could get her spirits back up. And one of the things that I thought about was, hey, this is the Christmas season, and because it's the Christmas season, uh, they get, they get, they're going to get to see family soon. And there's nothing else they enjoy more than actually being with their cousins. Uh, and I knew that this would bring her spirits back up, so I, look, I looked at her and I gently reminded her and I said, Rizzy, guess what? And she said, what? Still tears rolling down her eyes, not wanting to look me in the face. And I looked at her and said, you get to see your cousins in a few days. 
And slowly she started wiping her tears away and what she knew already was reminded to her and her mood changed. Because every time I've told her that in the past, she, see, she ends up seeing her cousins every single time. She gets hopeful of the fun she will have. She gets a, 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 a reprieve, a, a break from her annoying sisters who don't give her a break to her cousins who treat her well. So cousin time is amazing time. So the tears that were shed just a few minutes ago completely disappeared. And this was Carissa the moment she realized that she could see her cousins again. It went from crying to... <laughs> Dada, I get to see, when, when are we leaving? When are we going? And, and the conversation shifted from my sister this, my sister that, to let's make plans. We got to go right now. We got to go see them. No, no, baby, we got, we're going Tuesday. When is Tuesday? What day is today? And before it could go down another spiral, I had to kind of, you know, redirect her another direction. But... You know, when we, when we talk about hope, most of us know what that experience looks like. Maybe not in the eyes of a child, but in different other ways. We know what it, what it is to have our hope shattered. What it is to have hope not met. Our hope delayed. We talked about this last Sunday and said, uh, the, the Bible talks about it and said, uh, hope not met makes the heart sick. In the Old Testament, there are two main Hebrew words translated as hope. And these two words are two words that I kind of want to hone in on today. The first word is this word, yakal. Uh, and, and, and pardon me, I just don't want to inundate you with Greek or Hebrew. I just want to geek out for a second. Is that okay? Let's not Greek out. Let's geek out, okay? I know a lot of us like to geek out. So let's go with this. The first is yakal, which simply means to wait for. Like in the story of Noah, where when the floodwaters receded, Noah had to yakal for weeks Together, He waited patiently. The other Hebrew word is this word kava, which also means to wait. Now, I say this, and this is important because this whole message is going to revolve around these two words, especially the latter, kava. It is related to the Hebrew word kav, which means cord, which means string, which means a rope. See, when you pull a cob or a rope tight, you produce a state of tension until there is a release. That is kava. The feeling of tension and expectation while you wait for something to happen. The prophet Isaiah depicts God as a farmer who actually plants a vine and, and covers for good grapes. The Bible talks about, uh, about the prophet Micah who, who, who talks about farmers who are both kava and yakai for, for the morning because the morning dew would give moisture to their land. The hope that they have, they talk about this. You find the same notion of hope all over the book of Psalms where these words actually, this, these words actually uh, appear interchangeably more than 40 times. In almost every case, what people are waiting for is God. We talked about this last Sunday as well. I waited on the Lord. Like in Psalms 130, the psalmist cries out from a pit of despair, and he says, I cover for the Lord. And let Israel, you call for the Lord, because he's loyal, and he will redeem Israel from all of his sins. 
And you'll see this from verse 5 to, and, and 7 and verse 8. These words are interchangeably used. See, I want to go back to Carissa for a second, my middle daughter. She is hopeful when she's given a promise because she knows dad won't lie. She knows that I'm just not going to throw, hey, you're going to see your cousins tomorrow for nothing. I know that I'm going to make sure that I take her. Come on, am I talking to somebody? And that's why I give her the promise. My God is not a God that lies. My God is a God that says I'm a promise keeper. He's not just a promise giver. He's a promise keeper. And that is where hope comes in. That is where the Christian needs to understand the importance of the word hope. See, sometimes she, she, she goes into her crazy moods where she gets tired of her sisters and she'll sit down and she'll say, Dad, I wish I saw Emma and Gia. I wish I get to spend time with my cousin. See, now that is not hope. That is optimism. That is wishful thinking. That's her saying, I know that's not possible because they live four hours away in Houston, right? And, and she knows that that's not possible. It's not like we could just get into the car and get there in no time. And, 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 and that's wishing. It's, it's optimism. But biblical hope is based on a person which makes it different from optimism. It's based on the person of Jesus, See, optimism is about choosing to see in any situation how circumstances could work out for the best. But biblical hope is not based on circumstance. In fact, hopeful people in the Bible often recognize there is no evidence that things are going to get better. Come on, somebody. In fact, they choose to hope anyway. Even though the odds are stacked against them, they choose. Come on, say, someone say choose. They choose to hope. Why? Because they might not see it in front of them, but they are reminded that he that promised is worthy to bring it to completion. They know that daddy said that he'll take me to Houston. Daddy said that I'm going to see my cousins. That is a different... Mm. What is it that drives a person to hope? It is God's faithfulness that motivates hope for the future. You look forward by looking backward. Oh, I'm preaching this morning. You look forward trusting in nothing other than God's character. I know my daddy. I know my father in heaven. And what he says comes to pass. Like in Psalms 39, when the psalmist says, and now, Lord, what else can I cover for? You are my yakal. When you base and pivot your hope on Jesus, there's something that shifts inside of your heart that tells you that no matter what your circumstances might tell you, if my God said it, he is enough, he is worthy, and he will do it, and he will bring it to completion. Can I show you something beautiful? Can I show you something beautiful? There's a story, and this is, this is kind of the important part of my message there's a story in Exodus, and I want to connect what we're talking about to Jesus, okay? 
There's a story in Exodus when Joshua is leading the Israelites to the promised land. You, you remember that? In Joshua chapter number two, it's a story of Joshua and Jericho, and we will catch up in verse number one, and you guys can follow on the screen, but I'm just kind of going to summarize it for you. The story of Joshua going to Jericho, and, and, and for those of y'all who are not familiar with this story, right, you probably have heard, or you're not a Christian, you're not a believer, you've never read the Bible before, but you've probably heard of the phrase, the walls came tumbling down. This is a story that I'm referring to. As Joshua prepares to lead the Israelites into the promised land, he sends out two spies. He says, you two go into the, into the city and scope out the city. Make sure that we are good. Make sure that we're in a good place. So these two spies come upon the house of a woman called Rahab. The Bible is very clear that this woman happens to be a prostitute. The king of Jericho, we go to verse 3 and 4, the king of Jericho hears about these two spies through the grapevine. He hears that these two guys have come to scout the land, and he orders Rahab to turn them over. And these men are at her doorstep saying, where are these men? We know they have come to this house. But instead, she hides them on the roof and deceives the king, lies to the king. Rahab is in this vulnerable place and she looks at these spies and she tells them in verse number nine, I know that the Lord has given you this land. Now listen to this. She's not an Israelite, but she has heard about what happened in the Red Sea. She has heard about what God did and the miraculous acts that happened, the kings that were overthrown, the Pharaoh that was defeated. And you'll read that in this passage. And then she says, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear for you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. It seems like a hopeless situation, don't you think? And she asked the spies... Verse 12, to swear an oath that when Jericho is conquered, they will let Rahab and her family live. So this is where we catch up in verse 17. And, and she looks at her, and, he, and they look, the spies look at Rahab and said, man, we'll be free from this oath. He said, the men said to her, we will be guiltless with respect to this oath of yours. We're going to keep it. And, and you've made us swear, verse 18, behold, when you come into the land, you shall tie this scarlet cord. They give, they give, they, uh, uh, they give them, they give him, a, her, a scarlet rod, a red scarlet uh, rope, sorry, not rod, a red scarlet rope gives it to him and says, when we come into the land, when we come in, when we take this land by force, you have one job to do. You will take this scarlet cord and, in, and, and through the window that you let us down, I want you to tie this scarlet rod through that window and let it hang. And the Bible continues to say this. And you shall gather in your house, your father and your mother, your brothers and all your father's household. Now literally, he was basically looking at her and saying, I want you to let this scarlet cord, this rope hang. And that scarlet cord is this word called tikva. I want you to listen carefully. If you don't listen, we're not going to understand this message today. This scarlet robe is called tikva. Why is this important? Because the physical cord that these spies gave her, 
was to ensure their safety. It was a lifeline. It was a way of giving this lifeline to them, to her and her family, in saying that because you helped us, we are going to spare you. During communion, I talked about the Passover. When the angel of death was passing through the Egyptian homes, God instructed the people of Israel, God told Moses, tell the people of Israel to paint their doorposts with the blood of the lamb that they sacrifice. And when the angel sees this blood, the angel will pass over their home. It was a symbolic representation. Now, this thin scarlet cord which made this difference in their home is the Hebrew word tikva, which means a strong rope. And this comes from the root verb kava that we talked about earlier, which means to bind, to twist, to stretch like a rope. See, the words tikva and kava are similar in meaning. And they become merged somewhat semantically in, in this Hebrew term, which literally means a cord or an attachment, is basically saying, as this hangs down, man, there's so many of us that need this message today. Why am I saying this? Because I believe that there are some of us that are hanging on for dear life. I don't know what situation, I don't know what season you're going through. Every one of us are hanging on to something or someone for security. For, for this woman and her family, although not physically and literally, they were hanging on to this stigma. That they hung out of their house. That made their house stand out. But it was a promise that these two men gave this woman saying, if this thing hangs out, you can be rest assured that death will not come to this home. That when we come into this city, you will be remembered. And because you did this today, you can hang on to this promise. I want to break this down for us. Hope is that which you expect and you are sure will fulfill your desires. And tikva is a rope that we can hang on to when the world seems out of control or when we don't know how to make it through a difficult season in life. But in Jeremiah 29 and verse 11, the Bible says this, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a tikva. I want you to grab onto this message this morning because of the depth of the message of Jesus Christ. He says, I give you hope, I give you a tikva, and, and here's the most beautiful thing about tikva, kwa, the, 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 the meaning of that, the, the word kwa is, is in that end, tikva, the kwa, it's the, the most beautiful thing about kwa is hope is connected to a promise. See, that tikva that hung from their, from their window in their house was connected to a promise. The blood that was painted on the doorpost was connected to a promise. I want you to understand that today the Christian has hope because it's not a woo-woo-woo-woo thing that's just hanging out there and we believe in nothing. It is connected to a promise that is given to us by God. And that promise didn't happen overnight. Can I ask you a question? You ready for this? Do you know who the first promise of Christmas was given to? Anybody? Was it Isaiah the prophet? 
who had said, to you a child is born, to you a son is given. The government shall be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Prince of Peace. Oh, was it to Mary who said, do not be afraid, you found favor, you'll become pregnant and give birth to a son. Oh, was it to Joseph? Anybody? Who was the first promise of Christmas given to? It was given in Genesis chapter number three. And some of you are like, what? Go to it. The first promise of Christmas was given to Lucifer. It was given to Satan himself. When you catch this, this will change your life. In Genesis 3, verse 15, he looks at the serpent and he says, you may strike his heel, but he will crush your head. Oh, come on, somebody. It was a tikvah that that day, on that day, that God Almighty stretched out and gave a promise to Satan himself. He said, hold on to this, because you're going to remember this one day. Come on. Because we think it was Jeremiah or Isaiah, but the promise is something, God's promises are something else. You may not see it immediately, but the promise of Christmas happened the same day that Adam and Eve said no to God. Come, mm, this is good. The same moment they said no to God, God was saying yes back to them and said in due time, in, uh, this this is going to change your life if you just tap into this church. God gave Eve the scarlet tikvah and said, one day your seed will crush the head of the servant, the serpent. You know what God gave Rahab? God gave Rahab the scarlet tikvah to a woman who was not under the promise. Listen to this. A woman who was not an Israelite. A woman that did not come under the promise of Abraham. They, she was not under the covenant. Ooh. A heathen, an outcast, a sinner, a woman that was broken, a woman that had a reputation, not a good one. But that woman was God, was God's way of looking at this broken world and saying, you don't need to be perfect for me to hand out a tikvah. Tikvahs are handed out into brokenness, into people that don't have it all together. That is why Jesus came. He didn't make, he didn't come to make good people better. He didn't come to make good people the best. He came into the broken world and he said, I will hand out tikvahs to anybody that can recognize and realize that hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. In your brokenness this morning, I want to remind you that hope has a name. In your uncertainty, I want to remind you that hope has a name. In your sickness, I want to remind you that hope has a name. Why is this important? <laughs> because you see, Rahab marries this man called Salmon. They have a son called Boaz. Boaz marries this man, this woman called Ruth, and not a man, a, a woman. Boaz, Boaz marries Ruth, and they have a son called Obed. Obed has a son called Jesse, and Jesse has a son called David. 
And God told Isaiah that I will raise up uh, for David a righteous branch and he shall reign as king. Hope has a name and his name is Jesus. The scarlet blood that was painted on the doorposts and the lentils of the Israelite homes, the scarlet rope that dangled from the window of Rahab's house was a promise of salvation that I am here to save, that I am here to rescue, that I am here to bring you out from the pits of despair and put you on the rock to stay. I am attracted to brokenness and my name is Jesus. That's why he came. That's why he came because he was attracted to brokenness. He didn't come out to hand tickbos to people that have it all together. He said there's only one group of people that will understand the depth and the meaning of this, this, this word. And, and he says, let me come through brokenness. Hope has a name, y'all. His name is Jesus. Would you stand up to your feet with me? Worship team, you guys can get ready to come up. This is a beautiful song that we sing around Christmas time. It's a song of hope. It's a song of light. It's a, it's a song that we sing to remind ourselves of the light of the world that came into darkness to breathe life and hope over us. The lyrics go something like this, Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world, listen to this, in sin and error pining. Till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. Now listen to this, a thrill of hope. The, the weary world rejoices. For yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. But the songwriter goes on to say, fall on your knees. Oh, hear the angel voices. O night divine, O night when Christ was born. O night divine, O night, O night divine. You know, we love remembering why we do this every Christmas. I'm pretty sure you guys got some candles on your way in and our kids are kind of making their way in here to celebrate with you as families. So if you see your kids walking in, please grab them so they can stand with you. This is a moment that is very special to us because we get to celebrate this as a family. As you go back to your homes, as you drive back to your homes, they're going to ask you about these candles today and you have the opportunity of explaining to them that Jesus just didn't happen overnight. It didn't happen overnight. Jesus was planned way before the foundations of this earth was laid. That tikva. That tikva, that... That lifeline. Today I'm going to ask if the, if the volunteers, if our servant leaders can light those candles and as we dim the lights, I just want to take a few minutes just to kind of reflect and as we sing this song, 
as we go into a candlelight portion of, the, of our service, let me tell you the reason why we do this. The reason why we do this is because we want to recognize that into our darkness, Jesus walked in. Into a brokenness, Jesus walked in. When we light this candle, what a candle represents is the presence of light diminishes and extinguishes and demolishes darkness. And today we want to remind ourselves of that tikvah. As we light this lamp, as we light this candle, I want you to remember that the light of the world, the hope of this world, hope has a name. His name is Jesus. And as we rejoice and as we worship today, let us be reminded of that beautiful message. Thank you. 
Isaiah 9, it says, but there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he had made glorious the way of the sea and the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. And those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness on them, a light has shone. Verse 6 says, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice, with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The light of the world that came down into your darkness. He looked at that tikvah, he gave it to you and he said, I'm extending that rope to you. Each one of you would have gotten a ribbon or a red ribbon like this, smaller than this, but you probably were wondering what it is for, and I want you to keep that with you as a symbol, as a sign of the promise of God. Put it in your Bible, put it somewhere that you can remember when you were down, when you were downtrodden, when you are sad, when you are discouraged, when the odds are stacked up against you, open your Bible, pick this up, and tell yourself, if God is for me, who can be against me? Remind yourself of the tikvah, the promise of God, the hope that he has given to you and that if he has given you that promise, he will bring it to fruition. We can blow out these scandals today. Just hold, it on, hold on to it till, the, till the, 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 the team comes and picks it up from you, but just give me a few more minutes, church. We're about to go out into the lobby and I want us to have a good time with our families and it's a time for us to be blessed, but I would be remiss if I just left you with this. You know, hope is an anchor for the Christian. The empty tomb opened up a new door of hope. You know, in the New Testament, the earliest followers of Jesus cultivated the similar habit of hope, just like the psalmist. They used the Greek word elpis instead of kava. They used elpis instead of, uh, instead of tikva. They used elpis to describe this anticipation. The apostle Peter said that Jesus' resurrection opened up a living hope, elpis, that people can be reborn into a new life in Christ Jesus. More than once, the apostle Paul says, the good news about Jesus announces the elpis of glory, the hope of glory. And in both these cases, the elpis is based on a person, the risen Jesus, who overcame death. Someone say, Pastor, isn't it crazy to hold on to this hope? And maybe it is, y'all, maybe it is. But biblical hope is an optimism based on the odds. I've sat across the table from so many unbelievers and atheists and, and if you ask me why I'm not an atheist or a non-Christian, I would probably start with arguments about truth or goodness and beauty. Of course, like, like, like how the world is ordered and simply the mere existence demands explanation. 
I would talk about the beauty and, and the natural instincts of goodness, although there is no rational explanation for such concepts in this random materialistic world. And although I believe in those arguments, y'all, I am convinced that there is enough evidence out there to make the exist existence of the Christian God not just possible, but quite possible. And if you really press me on it, I think it would come down to this one word, and that word is hope. I believe in God, but if I did not believe in God, I didn't know what there would be to hope in. I don't know, I don't know. Like you mean to tell me that I have to wake up and dedicate my time and energy to a collection of random atoms that don't mean anything and will ultimately degenerate back into dust? Like that's hard for me. But perhaps the way to live is by looking at God and saying, man, if we believe what happened in good, on Good Friday and Easter that Jesus really did die, that he really did resurrect, then we must believe that life conquers death, that the greatest suffering gave way to the greatest victory, and that love as demonstrated by the blood poured out on the cross, it makes sense of it all. And today I want to encourage you with that. I know that, that, that this is hard for some people to wrap around. And if you are not a Christian today, if you have not put your, if you have not put your faith in Jesus today, I want to introduce you to the hope that is in Christ Jesus. I have to believe that suffering eventually gives way to tombstones being ruled away, not because Buddha or a wise mantra centuries ago told us about being delivered from suffering, but because God incarnate took on our suffering and demonstrated with his resurrection, resurrection that victory comes after. And today I want to declare that over you. For the one that doesn't believe in God today, Maybe you're wrong, Ashish. Maybe what if you die only to find out that there is no God? Can I tell you something? I would rather dare, I would rather dare to hope and live boldly than to be a skeptic all my life and simply be smug that I didn't fall afraid to pray to a fairy tale. Hope is a dangerous thing. Because for some of us, every time we, we feel that cord snap, that tension that we talked about, and sometimes we put our hope and hope and hope and hope and the tension builds. And for some of us, the snapping of the cord sometimes tells us that God is not real. Maybe, just maybe, that cord was not tikva. It was something that this world gave you and offered to you. Because tikva never breaks. It's a lasting promise, no matter how much you pull and tug at it. It may tarry, it may be late, but it always comes to pass. And I want to breathe that over you and I want to remind that to you today. That that string, that tikva that was lowered to you was for you. Every eye closed in this place, I want to pray for you. I want to release you. There's somebody standing over here and you said, you're probably saying, Pastor, I've never had a personal relationship with Jesus. I want to invite you into that personal relationship with Jesus. I want to invite you into reaching out and holding on to Tikva. Hope has a name and the name is Tikva. 
He wants to save you. This literally, tikva literally demonstrates salvation. The, the hope of salvation. And salvation is a gift that is made available to those who repent and believe and confess that Jesus was born. And not only was he born, but he died and he went to the cross and he raised up, he, was ri- he rose up from the dead. And today he is making a place for you in heaven. That gift of salvation cannot be earned through good deeds or by simply being good. It's a matter of faith. If you've come here looking for a, ch- for a change in your life, if you've come seeking a peace in your life, I, I'm, I wanted to remind you that it's found in no other place but the name of Jesus. Hope has a name. And if that's you, I want you to pray with me today and we're going to pray and close but if that's you I don't want to single anybody out but this is a prayer that all of us can say I want you to just pray with me if you feel that void in your heart if you feel like man I need Jesus I need I need this tikva this hope and if hope is Jesus I need Jesus I need that that lifeline that connected hopelessness to hope that gave a place to Rahab and that gave a place to Tamar, and that gave a place to Jacob, and that gave a place to Mary. He has a place for you on that table. Would you repeat after me? Say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm calling on you. Come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. Confess with my mouth that you are Lord, and I believe in my heart that you raised your son from the dead. I confess that you are Lord. Forgive my sins. I believe in my heart that you are my Lord and you are my Savior. Amen. Church, if you prayed that prayer, welcome to the family of God. I would love to hear from you after service if this is the first time you ever prayed that prayer. But today I want to release you. I want to bless you. I want to wish you a Merry Christmas. But Father, I bless them. As they go, I pray that they will go with Tikva. They will understand the Archegos. They will understand Tikva. They will understand hope. The hope of the world that is Jesus Christ. Church, may the Lord bless you. May He keep you. May He cause His face to shine upon you. May he be gracious to you. May he lift his countenance your direction. And may he give you peace that passeth all understanding. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. Thank you for listening. We love bringing you the word on so many different platforms. We are so thankful for what God is doing in and through us. We'd love for you to subscribe so you don't miss out. And don't forget to share this message if it has blessed you.